0: welcome aboard the battleship pretension i am tyler smith i'm david Batts, and thank you for listening david yes welcome home you went to the cold climate but i got sick well i was sick before that i got i got it out of the way but yes
1: i am i am newly i'm less than 24 hours removed from returning from park city our um our official sundance wrap-up episode is in a couple of weeks, right? Um, yeah, we'll g- it's, uh, it's going to wait till after the Oscars. Cause mm. we have too much stuff to get, <laughs> right. to get through. Right. So okay. we're going to, we're going to do one. I think it'll be the week after the Oscars, uh, is when that goes up. Um, thank you by the way, for waiting for this episode, which is up, uh, yeah. about 24, uh, 48 hours later than, uh, it ought to be, but that's yeah. just the way the schedule worked. Um, but I was, um,
0: uh, Yeah. So uh, how are you, by the way? Oh, well, I'm sick. Yeah, uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, The sickness definitely does. uh, Look, I'm not down with the sickness. That's what I say. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm not in favor of it. But uh, (laughs) (laughs)
1: listen to our by the way, if you've not purchased our or if you're not an admiral level uh, uh, Patreon subscriber, then you should go get the uh,
0: zombie commentaries. That that was a good time that we did. Yeah. We, we talked a lot about being down with the sickness. Yeah. Uh, And then sure enough, like what better way to end the commentary than with the actual song, uh, which I did. And I don't know if I'm legally allowed to, but whatever. Yeah. Do what I want. Yeah. We do what we we want. Um,
1: I listened to that
0: song again recently. Really? Why? It's a very bad song. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. You know, what's interesting is so much of like the guitar, Like the guitar riffs or whatever, remind me of the the music from Celebrity Deathmatch on MTV. (laughs) It just reminds. It it sounds very similar to it. Maybe it's because it's like that was the era in which both were uh, composed. But uh, but yeah, uh, my yeah, my being sick tends to have a larger impact on my mood. Um, When we when we get to uh, the movie journal uh, this coming week, uh, I I've watched a fair number of movies and as tends to happen, it's like, Oh, I'm sick. I'm going to hang out all day. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to watch all three Lord of the Rings. I That's obviously, that's what I'm going to do. That yeah. is, you know, Jen was sick before me and she watched all three back to the futures. So huh. like, I, like, I think we both have our, our own trilogy of like comfort, comfort, yeah. comfort films. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think I definitely uh, the reason that I like Lord of the Rings for this purpose is that like it's it's immersive. It's like this whole other world, but it's also a place It's New Zealand where I've been, uh-huh. and so I can <laughs> I can go and remember a, a wonderful time when I wasn't well, sick.
1: It sounds like my wife and I could have used you at trivia the night because mm. we didn't know
0: uh,
1: this. What was, was the question? I'll uh, see if I can get it. Uh, you will absolutely get it. Okay, but um, uh, this was. By the way, uh, speaking of the Patreon, which you can join at uh, patreon.com slash Battleship Pretension, this was the same trivia night where I saw DJ Qualls, and he was there again, and his team beat the absolute pants off us, uh, unfortunately. Qualls. Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, uh, And I guess congratulations or whatever. I don't know what you say to DJ Qualls, who recently came out.
0: Oh, I didn't uh, know that. All right, Literally
1: just like a week ago. Oh, um, um, all right. Uh, so, yeah, good uh, good for him. I don't, I don't know. Congratulations to what you say, but uh, yeah. I don't know. You go. I'm not sure what you say <laughs> to. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. The question was uh, which Lord of the Rings character uh, is referred to as the alias Mr. Underhill. Oh, that's Frodo. Yeah, I didn't know that. I get we guessed Bilbo because Bilbo literally lives like under a hill.
0: Right. Yes. So it true. seemed to make sense. Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, Frodo is the one that needs to like be incognito, and so. But he is comes that in the movie?
1: They call him Mister Underhill. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. When he goes to Bree. Yeah.
1: See, I remember the name of the town.
0: Yeah, and then.
1: Uh... <laughs> that that that's a dumb thing I remember, <laughs> is the name of the town yeah. that we're like, what. 9 minutes of the movie takes place <laughs> out of a 12 hour uh franchise. I remember 9 minutes 35 minutes into the movie the first movie. I remember the name of the town.
0: Well, we don't we don't really see that many I mean, I guess we see like the the big the big cities of man like Gondor and Rohan and that sort of thing. But we don't really see like human civilization on a smaller scale. Right. And so so I think, yeah. Um, incidentally that sequence, uh, uh, it was, it was in the original trailer, uh, for fellowship. Uh, it features one of my least favorite exchanges, maybe in all of film. Um, ever, even like the first time I saw the trailer and every time I see the movie, which at this point is many, uh, it always bothers me. I don't remember if I mentioned this in, in our commentaries all those years ago, but, uh, But when. Also available if you join the Patreon at the Admiral level, or you can just go to battleshipintention.com and. uh, The only thing we've taken down is our first 40 episodes, and you can pay for those as well. If you want. You will. Um, (laughs) But but there's the the part where Aragorn says to Frodo, he says, Are you frightened? And he says, Yes. And he says, Not nearly frightened enough. And I remember Frodo wanted to be like, Man, (laughs) I I, I gave you the answer you fucking wanted. All right? If I'd said no, then you would have given me shit. And apparently, yes isn't enough. What do you want at this point? And uh, which I realize is anachronistic, but uh, I guess not anachronistic if it's a place that hasn't existed. But uh, but yeah, that always bothered me so much. It just seems so catty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway,
1: all right. Well, uh, I don't know what more I have to talk about. There's some uh, Sundance related stuff. Well, there's we talked about on the Sundance uh, preview that there were two different like Peter Pan related movies, right? There was Wendy there's and come, then and come away, which is right. a kind of a prequel to Peter Pan and Alice in Wonderland. I don't know. Mm. I didn't see it. I didn't see either one actually. Um,
0: there's also, I saw reviews of, of Wendy and they weren't particularly great.
1: Okay. Well, I'll, we'll put a pin in that. Cause I also, okay. uh, I should save this for the Sunday wrap up, but, um, I'm always fascinated when like I'm at a festival and like multiple things happen in different, like, so the same thing happens in different movies, like, uh, last year at Sundance, uh, or wait, no, uh, I, don't know, I can't remember. Well, there was—I didn't see *Marriage Story* at TIFF, but *Marriage Story* and *Jojo Rabbit* were both at TIFF, and they're both movies mm-hmm. where Scarlett Johansson ties someone else's shoe. Uh, I did. <laughs> um, I just watched *Marriage Story*, and I tweeted something about that. Um, and so this movie, this uh, Sundance, I saw two different movies: *The Nest* and *Minari*, both great movies that are both about a father and husband. With two kids, older daughter, younger son, okay. unilaterally making the decision to move his family, to relocate his family to another place that only he wants to go, and it has a bad effect on the family. It's weird that, like, that That's specific, very specific.
0: Yeah. And also, that's... Isn't there kind of a... Isn't there a subplot in Modern Family about that? Uh, where, like, uh, the two... The husbands... I know they only have, oh. like, one kid, but they want to move, uh, or... One One of them wants wants to, to, wants to move.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, these, the nest and Minari are not really comedic movies. Right. Right. Well, Minari actually has a lot of funny stuff. The kids are real cute in that one. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, the point is speaking of Wendy, uh, is that these little things flare up on film Twitter, especially specifically like Sundance film Twitter, because, uh, one critic whom I won't name, um, uh, insist there's that Sundance glow where everyone, and it's, it's there's a I mean there's a festival glow in general people like at other festivals people are like this is one of the best of the year or whatever sure. but Sundance especially I think because of the like we're all shut up in tents and theaters out, it like yeah. with the cold outside it feels like this camp type of yeah. feeling yeah I, I I think Sundance really really uh intensifies maybe exacerbates uh that 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 glow um, and so one, a, a critic tw- tweeted that Wendy was the best Peter Pan movie ever. Um, to which I, because I, uh, get annoyed by these things and I'm a bit of a troll. I tweeted, there's never been a good Peter Pan movie, <laughs> which is not, I know that's not true.
0: That 2003
1: uh, Peter Pan this is, what is I'm saying. solid. Uh, luckily a lot of people spoke up and yeah. said that, that, um, uh, what's his name? PJ Hogan. Is that yeah, the director? I think so. Uh, PJ Hogan's 2003, uh, uh, Peter Pan is is real
0: good yes pj hogan
1: yeah um and they're right it's really good um my memories of the disney one are positive i don't know if it holds up i haven't seen as i was a kid
0: but um i also a like... lot of it is great and as much as i like hans Conried's take on uh captain hook i think they actually make him too comedic to such an extent that he's no longer threatening okay um and then Peter Pan and the pirates. Did you ever watch that cartoon when you were, when we were kids? No. no. Uh, Tim Curry plays uh, captain hook and it was like a two season, maybe even just one season series that really like really very maturely explores like life, uh, on Neverland. And it was, or it, in Neverland. I don't know. But, uh, it was really good, and I, to my knowledge, it has never gotten any kind of DVD or Blu-ray release, but I think a lot of episodes are on YouTube, and it's definitely worth watching. It's a it's a surprisingly good show. Um, I also grew up, probably, weirdly, the one I've seen the most often,
1: although I'm looking at IMDb, I don't know if it was the 1955 or the 1960, there's two TV Peter Pans, both of which have Mary Martin playing right. Peter Pan. yeah. I watched one of those all the time as a kid, and I don't know which one. I didn't realize there were two, hmm.
0: um, but
1: yeah, that uh, that one's great, and that one also. Reminds Let me ask you that. this: Did you
0: ever have a feeling like when you were a kid? Did you ever watch and think like Peter Pan looks old? Uh, because I'd say if that's the case, it was probably the later one.
1: <laughs> no, I don't remember that. Uh, I don't remember feeling that way. Um, hold on, uh, I have to find something because the the fact that I watched. Um, The, uh, the Mary Martin one, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, uh, reminds me of the hardest that I ever laughed at a joke and all difficult people was a very funny show. The hardest that I, did you ever watch it? No. Okay. I'm trying to look up the, the, um, um,
0: hold on. Is that the one where I can't even remember? Is that with Rob Delaney? Uh, No, that's catastrophe. Catastrophe. Which Um, one is difficult people?
1: The people is, is Billy Eichner, Billy Eichner and Julie Klausner. Got it. Okay. Yes. Um, and um, uh, there's a character. I'm trying to remember the actor's name. He plays like Billy Eichner's uh, co-worker at this little cafe where they're all um, terrible people for the most part. Um, Cola Scola is the actor and there's the episode has has that name. That's fun. Yeah. The episode has multiple references to the word, to the word akimbo, like arms akimbo. All right. And then when Cola Scola finally finds out what akimbo means, he goes, (laughs) he goes, Oh, I get it. Why don't they just call it the Mary Martin? (laughs) 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 Um, anyway, Uh, That was a long way to go for nothing. But yeah, um, PJ Hogan's Peter Pan is really good. I'm I'm sure Wendy's fine. I don't know. I didn't see it. Uh, But I want to tell you about TweakedArdio.com while I have your attention, Tyler. Uh, Oh shit, I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Does that negate what you
0: were about to say?
1: Uh, Yeah, tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I both use them each and every day of our lives. Today I was listening to Of all things, a band that I used to listen to a lot in their first three albums when I was in middle school, um, Pearl Jam. Hey. Hadn't really, uh, I know that Pearl Jam has like never gone away, never stopped putting out albums, especially never stopped touring. They've become like a sort of uh, small, like a low key, like Grateful Dead type of like touring band that Mm. people like follow around and stuff. Um, But I hadn't listened to any of their music since uh, I didn't. Oh, probably over 20 years. I didn't listen to anything new that they put out. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess there was a few years ago now, but like Eddie Vedder did the score for, uh, into the wild. And I remember right. liking that. I remember not liking it. Hmm.
1: Um, but, uh, so they have a new, they put out a new song called dance of the clairvoyance, which I actually, I was, I listened to it and I actually like had to look, I was like, is this a cover? Of an obscure Talking Heads song that I somehow don't know, but no, it's a it's Pro Jam original that is clearly yeah. like
0: almost like. But they clearly uh, ripped off a title from like a Guy Madden film.
1: Um, yeah, probably. But um, you know how Weird Al does like specific song parodies, but mm-hmm. then he does like the style parodies. It's yeah, almost like Pro Jam. Love. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like Pro Jam is doing a Talking Heads like style parody. Oh, That's fun. It's so Talking Heads. I, I'm enjoying it but also just
0: like puzzled by it like is is it it, like knowingly like they're like they're active you think they're actively paying like homage they can't they can't not be but
1: yeah it's definitely homage it's not a joke okay the song's not funny because i'm not sure if eddie
0: Vedder. he's probably not fun he seems humorless to me (laughs) yeah yeah why else would sean penn get him to do the music (laughs) for into the wild starring emile hirsch yeah you've got a nice little trifecta of humorlessness
1: yeah um yeah uh Kristen stewart's in that movie boy as much as i love her also has a sort of reputation for
0: yeah. uh not being especially funny and then you got to get uh, zach galifianakis in there not being funny <laughs> that's right uh, though he is vince actually. vaughn vince vaughn he's he's good in that there's a lot of good people in that
1: yeah um yeah vince vaughn seems like he's probably real annoying in real life but when he's good he's good oh yeah I, would just, I finally convinced a friend of mine to watch fighting with my family. I thought he was really good at that. That well, that line when he's like when they first meet the rock and then he walks in, he's like, you don't get to just talk to the rock. What do you make <laughs> <laughs> um, that, a wish?
0: And there are a lot of a, a lot of actors that could like sell that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the way he could.
1: Um, anyway, uh, this the Pearl Jam da- Dance of the Clairvoyance Talking Heads tribute sounded great on my tweaked dot com earbuds that are available available. Uh, not a variable they're available at a low low price at tweaked audio.com but if you use they're the offer- a variable
0: <laughs> on a low low price
1: <laughs> um they're very available in a, var- in a variety uh, of stylish styles and colorful colors but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to dot and use the offer code pretension
0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Now, David, was, before, before we get into it, oh, okay. Uh, I've been told that I haven't done a great enough job of pushing the, the documentary. It's not available yet, but it's called Real Redemption, R-E-E-L, The Rise of Christian Cinema, directed by me, Uh, it is going to be made available on the faith life TV streaming service next month. So I don't know the specific day. I will definitely announce it. Um, it is an 85 minute, uh, video, a visual essay style documentary, uh, about the relationship between the church and Hollywood eventually culminating in, uh, pretty in-depth analysis of what Christian film is and what it can be and the impact that it's had on Hollywood and that sort of thing. Um, I narrate it myself. Um, but, uh, and then the music was done by, uh, my friend, Amcy Hernandez, who has done, who has worked with us every once in a while. And, uh, it's not a perfect film it's fairly low budget and there are time constraints but by and large i'm actually pretty happy with it and uh i just want to get people excited for it now uh i hadn't i had announced it on facebook or or twitter or something and somebody had said like how is this the first time hearing of this and i was like oh, i guess i haven't done a really good job of this so i just wanted but to let people it's know it's not available it's not available right now yeah so yeah, i'm just, just trying you don't to need to do that good a job yeah, i'm just trying to hype it up right now okay and you know what what deserves more hype than a video essay style documentary i'm looking forward to it um and and i will say uh screener link screener link is available if somebody wants to review it uh for their website or something like that but uh anyway so just email me if you're interested
1: that sounds great um also before we get into it i'm looking at your poster of the insider which used Mm -hmm. to hang in our apartment yep and it's the home video release and i'm Suddenly annoyed when I never was. It says available on video and DVD. On and and are capitalized.
0: Yeah, that's it doesn't true. need doesn't need to be. And there's a period at the end of that sentence, which is not a sentence. No. Yeah. Like it's. Uh, yeah, that's true. Th- that reminds me of. It really suggests that like this is important. Every word is capitalized, and it's available period. Yeah. All right.
1: Video and DVD. No question period. about it. Yeah. And no f- other formats. <laughs> exactly. This yeah. is it's 19 yeah. it's 2000. This is all that exists. Exactly. Um, it reminds me of another the 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 cover art for the movie. Did you ever see the movie Rush with uh, Jason Patrick and Jennifer Jason Lee? Oh yeah, yeah. Where, where they're undercover narcotics officers. Yeah. Do you remember the tagline? <sighs> no. It's Somewhere between the by and the high, they forgot they were cops. It's not a bad tagline. Not but bad. But cover says, somewhere between the by, comma, and the high, they forgot they were cops. That comma doesn't need to be no, somewhere between the by and the d- high. Yeah. yeah, the second one, yeah. Between, the second one, yes. Between high and they, yeah. yes. But uh, although I think it's, actually, because I just looked it up, um, that's actually an ellipse, ellipsis. Oh, okay. Somewhere between the by, comma, and the high, dot,
0: dot, dot they forgot there were
1: cops. It's just that that first comment does not need to be
0: there. And it's already, I guess structurally, if you read it, like somewhere between the buy and the high, they forgot <laughs> they were cops.
1: Do you know about the, you can find it on YouTube. Um, when John, John Madden and Pat Summerall would call NFL games on Sundays for, I can't remember what network, but what, it was the same network that murder, she wrote was on. Okay. And, so they would always on Sunday, it was Sunday football and that that night Murdershire wrote would be airing and they would always have to do like a read, like yeah, so, yeah. coming
0: up later on A B C whatever I did say it was A B C always not that I, I even watch sports, but I I've seen enough of it to have heard like commentators have to do that. Yeah. Like I feel so bad for them.
1: So apparently pat summerall and you can find this on youtube to make john madden laugh every week he would try to see how far he could stretch out the time between murder and she wrote (laughs) Uh, because there's a comment there yeah yeah. yes um so uh, once you know to listen for it and you listen, listen to it on youtube it's really funny and the funniest one is you hear him he does it he goes murder she wrote and then he said and then he's like and then later or is like uh, or the tune in next week for the uh, or or tune in later this week for the monday night movie gone with the wind and then he he starts laughing and you can like hear john Madden laughing all right we've gotten way off yeah track. yeah okay um let's get oh sorry let's get into it shall we okay this is uh the episode man this all right. All right. There's a lot of stuff I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this, this episode
0: is, just a, is tough. Uh, this was tough for me.
1: Yeah. So, this is the episode we do before we do our top 10 every year. We, we because we're going to do our honorable mentions and underrated and overrated, but there's some movies that just don't fit into any of that that we like. Right. And that we want to show some appreciation to, and maybe that we feel that aren't getting enough appreciation at the end of the year yeah. type of type of talk. So we call this, it was Tyler's idea, but I'm taking co-credit for it. We call this the through the cracks episode. So this is movies that fell that we feel felt through the cracks in
0: 2019. Yeah. Um, and between like, I don't go to as many screenings as I used to. I, just in general, I don't see as many movies as I, as I have in the past. And so between the, like the, because we cover 17 total movies in our in our end of the year. <laughs> right. right. Uh, per, between, like, each. I mean, yeah. there's some overlap. But, yeah, we each have 17 slots to fill. But between that and the fact that easily there's, like, a bottom eight or nine that is, like, I would never recommend these to anybody, that leaves me with, like, some pretty slim pickings. And I always worry that, like, well, what am I going to say that I haven't already said on the movie journal? Meanwhile, the movie journal could have been six months ago. Yeah, that, that's you know? fine. Uh, I don't. But yeah, I don't care about that. I.
1: <clears throat> I will repeat myself. Repetition works, David. Repetition works, David. Some natural born killers. Oh God, yes. <laughs> uh, he says it twice. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, what, what I have. See, my what's difficult for me um, is that I feel like. The further minor in alphabetical
0: order completely by accident. Oh, wow. Wow. Mine are not. That's crazy. Okay. Um, sorry. I interrupted. I apologize.
1: Well, what, 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 makes it difficult for me is that I find that every year as I get further and further down the rabbit hole of like more specific film Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, some of the movies that I'm mentioning within the circles that I travel in are not necessarily through the cracks movies. They're right. You know, they're movies that we <coughs> were, were highly
0: anticipated and well, re- well received, I try to I try to approach it you know sometimes it's a mainstream film that I think deserves a second look. Okay. Um that's that's what some of this is going to be for me. Uh yeah, so it's either like hey, you didn't see this, you didn't get a chance to see it or you did see it and then it and and who cares uh, inc- including me maybe I myself like dismissed it at the time but it has stayed with me since then and so in, in one way or another it's it deserves e- this deserves either a first or second look um, and it has not really gotten either one
1: alright so um, let's see you haven't seen my, uh, are you going, I'm just going to go and
0: I guess I'll go in alphabetical order. That wasn't, So have plan. I
1: seen the last one you're going to talk about? Cause you haven't seen the last one I'm going to talk about. I
0: don't think, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think. All right. Well, why don't you start it? Me. Okay. So the first is, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Rodriguez, ba- uh, Alita battle angel, which um, I didn't see it fell through the cracks for me. Yeah. Uh, it. I mean, I seem to recall it did okay. Uh, nothing amazing, but there there is a small contingency of people that have really championed it, and it's as often is the case with with these films, they're not amazing. You know, they're not uh, like otherwise they'd be in our top ten or, or top fifteen or whatever. Um, but they they are memorable for whatever reason. And Alita: Battle Angel is a film that I saw in the theater. And I thought it was st- structurally a mess, mm. and and there were things I appreciated about it, but for the most part, whatever. And then I think I mentioned it uh, when we did like our mid year thing because I hadn't seen very many movies. I think it was in my top ten just by default. Top, we did top um, five. Oh, do, okay, yeah. And actually, um, yeah, one of mine okay. that I'm going to talk about was in my top five at the yeah. mid year. Uh, yeah, and I think another one of mine will be as well. And so, uh, and so while alita has been bumped pretty far down the list it is a film that just i appreciate its level of ambition i appreciate as as when robert rodriguez is like at his best he's doing what interests him and maybe other people are interested maybe not he doesn't care that much and i appreciate that and he's making the movie he wants to make and it is a it there's a rollerball element to it there's a terminator element to it it's batshit crazy ultra violent um and at times extremely disturbing uh really great visual effects characters that i find myself connecting with uh you know there there are times when i i feel like the thematically and maybe even narratively it's it's incredibly shallow, but the world, uh, is, is so well, it's just, it's so, uh, not well conceived. What's the, I can't think of the word fully realized, fully realized. Thank you. That's it. Uh, it's so fully realized that they definitely, they, they hint at a a sequel. I don't know if the film did well enough to warrant one, but if they made one, I'd see it because granted this is a post-apocalyptic world. I'm not enjoying being in it, but I got a real sense of what it was like and I'm happy. Like I'd be eager to return to it. It reminds me in many ways of a movie that came out a few years ago, which was Warcraft, which is a film that is also imperfect, uh, but I still enjoyed it uh, because I really feel like the, the filmmaker in both cases was in really invested in making a film that was interesting to him and uh and yeah alita battle angel is just it's a i think you would enjoy it quite a bit you're a rodriguez fan and i think yeah. i think you appreciate just crazy ass ambition and that's this movie and uh yeah i'm i'm very happy uh i'm very happy i saw it in retrospect at the time i i walked away being like yeah all right fine but it has stayed with me uh, mm. longer than I expected it to.
1: Uh, I'm going to start with uh, a movie that, yeah, definitely wasn't on my first half uh, because it only snuck out um, near the end of the year. I saw it at TIFF, but it did get uh, a very small official release, and that's Varda by Agnes, the okay. final film by Agnès
0: Agnes Varda, um, currently nominated for a BP in the best documentary. See, we feature know we at yeah. least,
1: um, but it just it felt to me that. The final film from someone who had died that year, whose previous film had been nominated for an Oscar, won an Oscar or nominated for an Oscar? What won Best Documentary?
0: I don't remember. I don't think she won. I, don't I know she, she wasn't there. She, so Faces Places was up for documentary. I think it went to uh, the uh, Free Solo, I believe. But that might have been the year before. Now I don't remember. I think
1: we have it wrong. I think 2018 was Free Solo. Faces Places was 2017. But I still don't think it won. Cause I feel I like I would have remembered it uh, yeah. Jr.
0: or whatever
1: being up on the stage. Yeah. Anyway, not the point. Um, the, the point is that I, I think the movie got saddled with being seen as sort of a semi finished work because I think it was conceived as, um, more of like a, uh, like a series or something that got turned into a feature and it also got, uh, um, what I knew about it going in the, the sort of descriptor that it, that it got slapped with that I don't think was fair is that it was, uh, like a, a glorified Ted talk because it's based on, oh, okay. she used to go give these talks about her filmmaking career or whatever. And that is sort of the spine of that. She's, um, uh, addressing people, you know, students or what have you. And then, um, uh, cutting away to other things. But I feel like she's, she was such a natural filmmaker that she couldn't let it just be that. Yeah. So there's actually much less of her sitting and talking to crowds than than I was told there would be. There's a lot of original filmmaking and original uh, uh, other interviews that she, she does. She does, uh, she interviews, um, she talks to... Uh, Sandrine Bonaire, I think is her name, who's the star of Vagabond. You, oh, yeah, yeah, Vagabond? Said, yeah. And they go out to a field like the kind of fields that the character uh, um, walks through in Vagabond, and they sit on a camera dolly for the interview, which Ooh. is because so many of the shots of Vagabond are just yeah, following yeah. her walking down the road. Um, there's like, I, I feel like I don't it was so like, she was so restless and constantly inspired as a filmmaker that she couldn't not do something more, do something fun. And I think the movie, um, one of my favorite Agnes Varda movies of all time is the beaches of Agnes from 2000. No, 2008. <coughs> yeah. 2008. Um, and, uh, I feel like Varda by Agnes kind of works as a companion piece to beaches of Agnes. Cause beaches of Agnes is very much about her life and career from her personal experience, her personal history standpoint. Whereas Varda by Agnes is about her career much more from a filmmaking standpoint which is interesting because it's not something that she she was a photographer she first she didn't know filmmaking she sort of made it up as she went along and so I don't I I don't know I don't know that there's a lot of her talking about filmmaking like Mm -hmm. why did we use this you know why did we shoot on a dolly why did we do this you know um and so it's 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 interesting to see her sort of in a way kind of revisits from the same ground as beaches of Agnes, but from a different, uh, a different standpoint, I found the movie to be an absolute delight to watch. Uh, and I, yeah, I, um, I'm glad that the BPs
0: at least, uh, acknowledged it. All right. What won 2017? Uh, Icarus, Ugh. uh, beating, beating out faces places. Yeah. And then free solo was 2018. Yeah. So uh, I, I never you, saw I thought free you solo. liked Icarus. No, I did not like Icarus. um, is that isn't that the one where like the the documentary starts being about one thing and winds up being about another? Yeah, except
1: the the guy keeps trying like even after it's like clearly become another thing, he keeps going back to his weird
0: little like oh. scheme
1: or his gimmick, and I'm like, come on, <laughs> yeah, we don't care anymore. Go, go with the flow,
0: man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, next for me is the film, much to my surprise, uh, the Christian film Breakthrough, which. Oh, okay. uh, is in many ways not a good movie, um, and in other ways a very refreshing movie. And so this is rooted very much in the idea of uh, watching a genre evolve. Um, having seen a number of, of Christian films, and just being frustrated, you know, not merely as a filmmaker, but as a not a filmmaker, but a film fan, um, but also as a Christian, I'm. I'm angry at the way the films are put together, but I'm also angry at the way, uh, that Christians uh, or Christian life is presented in these films, especially any film that has to do with like miraculous healing or, or something like that. Um, <clears throat> like I can find it, I can find something like that inspirational. It's own in its own way, but so often things go well for Christian characters and it is, heavily suggested that it's because God's looking out for them. Well, and strictly speaking, I guess that is what is happening. But Uh the idea being that God is looking out for them because they have become Christian or they are Christian. And that frustrates me. And it has frustrated a lot of other people. So you get breakthrough, which is based on a true story about this, uh, this, uh, high school student who, uh, breaks through, uh, Uh, the ice of a frozen lake and is like underwater for a long time, like 20 minutes. And then they find him. Yeah. They find him and he's dead basically. And they they take him to the hospital. And like, as his, uh, I don't know how much of this action of this part is true, but like his mother is standing, is standing by his body. Like that's, everyone is thinking about it in that way. And she like prays for him, and he comes back to life. There's no brain damage. Everything's fine. Um, so it's like, all right, well, that's, An inspiring story but one thing that i love about this movie is well there's a couple things one is that you see so the kid is in like he's awake but then he like goes into a coma and they're trying to figure out the level of brain damage uh he's experiencing and so you have chrissy metz and josh lucas playing his his uh parents okay and while they're just sitting and waiting, they actually don't spend a lot of time together. In fact, like, Josh Lucas cannot deal with the hospital. So he just leaves a lot of the time, and that leaves Chrissy Metz kind of on her own, and he's on his own, and they just keep, like, kind of sniping at each other over this very unfortunate situation. And I'm like, that is more likely, in any situation, Christian or otherwise, uh, that, like, the, like... The grief of a child who has who is gone or is sick can take a toll emotionally because everybody's going to react in their own way, and what happens if people react in a way that is in conflict with each other? So I really like that. That rings very true to me, and it suggests that yeah, Christian. Uh, just because the characters are Christian doesn't mean that they're always going to act the right way or respond the right way uh, to a, a, a negative circumstance. But then the other thing is, so once the kid wakes up. One thing I really love is that other Christian films would have ended there. Here, brilliantly, I in my opinion, they explore the idea of why him? And why not someone else? You know, uh, I think I mentioned this when we talked about it on the movie journal, but there's a moment where he, he's back at school, he walks over to his locker, and sure enough, there's all these post-it notes on his locker of other students saying, like, like, we're glad you're back and all that kind of thing. And then the camera like scrolls down and there's one that just says, like, why why do you get to be here and my dad is not? Mm. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> like, I know it's it's of course there's that's sad, but as someone who it's like, yes, okay, you're asking the right questions. And in the end, like he's the kid's in front of his church and he's being like sort of interviewed by his pastor, and he just says for anybody asking why me i don't i don't know and and I love that, and I also like how man, how many adults are like because this has happened to him they kind of uh, they sort of assume that he's been they' just that he's just like wise they're like he has some kind of oh, insight right. into what happened to him he's a fourteen year old kid he doesn't know shit uh-huh. uh, and so i the idea that he doesn't have A big, profound insight at the end. It ultimately boils down to I don't know, is something that I found so refreshing. Granted, the way the film is shot, the way that it uses music, it falls into a lot of the same stylistic traps and some structural traps of other Christian films. But to me, it's exciting to see just these little bits of like the evolution of a genre and I think breakthrough is uh, certainly from an acting standpoint as well. I think Chrissy Metz does a great job. But uh but yeah, like I don't I don't remember how well it did um and the fact that the movie Overcomer by the Kendrick brothers came out a few months later and did way better and it's a much worse film. Um and that's discouraging. Overcomer did better than Breakthrough? I believe so. It might just be that it was made for such a low budget okay. that anything it made was was like pure profit. But, uh, but yeah, so well, you know what breakthrough has that overcomer doesn't an Oscar nomination. An Oscar nomination. That's right. <laughs> uh, who, who, uh, who did this? It's for song. Diane, right? Warren. Diane I would, Warren. I just yeah. thought
1: it was just looking yeah. up
0: fun fact. And I'm embarrassed by this. Anytime I say the, uh, anytime I reference Elizabeth Warren, I might accidentally say Diane Warren. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that is in the same way that, uh, I don't know why that. Oh, and, and who is it? Um, it's the same when I talk about uh, The Conjuring. And I'm supposed to say Lorraine Warren. I might say uh, Diane Warren.
1: Well, speaking um, of The Conjuring, I, I know the difference
0: between Lily Taylor and Lily Tomlin. But I will often oh, say sure. the wrong one. Yeah. The other one for me, this is not about names. This is about faces. Uh, and I think I've said this before. If you tell me to picture Richard Armitage, I will arrive at Mark Strong uh, <laughs> mentally. <laughs> oh, uh, And that's not, uh, like, that's not Richard Armitage's fault or anything like that and they don't even really look they look similar ish but i'm yeah. so much more familiar with mark strong than i am richard armitage even though he's great in hannibal he was yeah. just in the movie the lodge which i just saw oh, and he's okay. quite good in it uh yeah, he was in those hobbit movies he right? was he yeah. was also in uh, into the storm with a shaky grasp on an american accent oh, but he's gotten right. much better at that but uh, anyway so yeah breakthrough is, is right. a film that i, I mean I, I recommend it to a point you have to recognize that it's a Christian film and it still has those trappings, but within that, I think it's doing so much so much more nuanced work than you know ninety five percent of the other Christian films out there and I hope I hope viewers and other filmmakers pay attention to that and be like oh yes that's that's what I want
1: all right um I uh so my next one uh, is the one that was on my <laughs> on my top five of the year so far that we did right back at the beginning of July, uh with Scott. Um it's Ritesh Batra's photograph, which I saw oh, okay. a year ago at Sundance. Um And you and will not shut up about it. <laughs> I just I, I just I really like movies that are romances or love stories or rom coms and and Ritesh Batra also made um, the movie The Lunchbox uh, a, a few years ago, yeah. which is the only reason it hasn't there hasn't been a shitty American remake of The Lunchbox is because its high concept is so specific to, I think Mumbai or to whatever Indian city um, it takes place in that yeah. has these this very uh, elaborate like lunch delivery system. Um, and uh, Photograph is similarly starts with kind of a recognizable or you could see easily sort of accessible rom-com type of high concept where you've got a lower class, um, lower economic class. I don't mean that he, mm-hmm. he, you know, rests his elbows on the table at dinner or whatever. Um, I mean, <laughs> uh, lower economic class guy who's, he is his family, not, not he's, he's not married. He's uh, old enough that his um, grandmother, uh, very much thinks he should be married, Mm. but his grandmother and his extended family all live back in the village. He came from, he's moved to, um, you know, I just looked it up while you were talking and I forgot. Um, is it also, uh, yeah, it's Mumbai. Um, so he now lives in Mumbai and what he does is he takes, he goes every day and takes pictures you see this an American sort of touristy mm-hmm. places too he takes pictures at the um, gateway of India monument um, okay, yeah. and then sells. he's like I'll take your picture and it'll be however right. many uh, rupee or rupees or whatever um, and that's and then he you know says, sends the money back home but it's it's a like I said, it's a rom-com in a way. I mean, it has a lot of the rom-com trappings. Like, one of the sort of funny things is that the neighborhood he lives in, a lot of the other people are from his village, so even though his grandmother's not there to pressure him to get married, he's constantly hearing, like, I was back home and your grandmother says you need to get married, yeah. like, that sort of thing. And so one day, he, there's a, a woman who's from an, uh, an upper-class woman who's just sort of walking around, and he... Uh, takes her picture and then she sort of gets distracted while he's printing it out and um, uh, she walks away without it and so then when his grandmother comes to visit, or no, he sends his grandmother the picture and says, look, I'm dating someone or whatever. So then his grandmother is like, well, I gotta meet this woman and comes to make an announced visit. So now this guy has to find this not rich, rich, but this sort of like bourgeois woman and try to convince her to pretend that they're in a relationship. Okay. Like I said, high concept. Yeah. But what Ritesh Batra did in the lunchbox when he especially does here is that he strips away so much of the falseness of it and just focuses on the reality of the character situations and of their uh, emotions and um, what they come to mean to each other. And it's, it's still very funny, especially the grandma is the kind of like rom-com grandma you would expect. Oh, shit. she's, she's a real fireball of a grandma. Yeah. She's hilarious. There's a lot of funny stuff in it, but it really is mostly just a very straightforward, surprisingly quiet for its high concept, uh, romance about two people from very different, uh, lives, um, who develop some sort of feeling for you for uh, feelings for each other. It's, um, as someone who likes, Honest Movies About People Falling in Love, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get a very different movie about people falling in love um, in a couple picks okay. from now. But um, uh, it's it, it, it's so up my alley that, uh, again, like with uh, like with, uh, Varda by Agnes, I just don't understand why there's not more love for this movie and for movies like it. And everyone I know who's seen The Lunchbox loves it. I just yeah. don't know that many people who saw it. Hmm. And I I know even fewer people who saw photograph, but I feel like people would
0: really like it if they just watched it. All right. So next for me is a a film that uh, you have seen and I know you enjoyed. Um, And, you know, it's a film that I, as I was watching The Irishman, I was put in mind of this movie. Okay. And because there's a little uh, conceit in The Irishman that in its own way reminded me of Cold Pursuit. Oh, Um, okay. uh, Directed by Hans Peter there's two Ts, so I don't know if it's Peter or Petter uh, Moland. Um, I would say Petter so I, th- this is also a film that uh, I think I might have mentioned uh, in our like year thing. Uh, I think it was actually my favorite movie of the year so far up to that point um, and uh, and it yeah, it's somewhat recently fell out of like my top fifteen, but I do still. Love it because it's so odd. I mean it's 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 a it's a remake by the same director, so of course he's going to bring a. Have you? I've never watched In Order of Disappearance. Have you? I haven't. It's available on Netflix. I would like to see it. I was going to say I
1: think because whatever year it came out, I think Magnolia maybe might have released it in Mm. the states, and I have a screener at home that I have never watched. But apparently it's on Netflix, so you can watch it that way.
0: Or it might not be. It might be like Hulu or something, but it's it's on one of the streaming services. But anyway, uh, and. so of course you have this director who's bringing this different sensibility and it really feels like it like knowing full well, like going into it, I knew cause I think you had told me that there, it's very quirky and it's funny in its own way. But for the first 10 to 15 minutes in my, as I'm watching, I'm like all of that faded away because mm-hmm. it's, it's directed in and acted in such an earnest you know, yeah. uh grieving, mournful way. And then stuff stuff starts to fade in. And it's like, like, what the what's going on here? I
1: had that same experience, which is I didn't realize there's anything funny about this movie until they go to identify their son's body. And that scene, do you remember? Uh no. So the son's body at the corners uh, at the corners whatever you call it yeah. uh, the morgue I guess is in one of the lower drawers so they have to pull it out and then he has the 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 coroner has to like with his foot pump up the table
0: oh yes and that's so there's right. a
1: shot of like poor Laura Dern in front of her s- dead son's body yeah. the <laughs> body is like slowly just like jerking up yes. and up into
0: frame and it goes on so long that I was like wait what is this movie yeah the one that got me because like yeah I remember I remember that scene and but even that could be seen as like, hey, this is just the way this is. It wasn't until Liam Neeson is about to kill himself and has the barrel of a gun in his mouth and then someone shows up and he's like like (laughs) with that and I'm like okay right, I see now not only that this is humor. Like he got caught
1: sneaking a bite of cake late late at night. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) His mouth mouth, is full of shotgun (laughs)
0: Uh, and so at that moment it's like okay not only is this going to be a comedy it's going to be the darkest comedy (laughs) ever Uh, and then it actually kind of lightens up in some ways a little bit uh, yeah. you know our our villain is very strange and then obviously the wonderful and always reliable william Forsythe. yeah um but uh, but within that uh it, it still even 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 moments like that shotgun thing like at no point does liam neeson's character know he's in a comedy hmm he, do- he certainly doesn't act like it there's no winking he's a hundred percent sincere uh, he might occasionally kind of ab- acknowledge the absurdity of something of what's going on but he is uh yeah he's he's committed and there's insanity going on around him and i it reminds me in many ways uh, I might have said this at the time but like I remember James whale when talking about the Frankenstein movies and certainly by the time the second one came along whale was just totally embracing the wackiness of his world but his whole his whole thing was like we will not make fun of the monster that's not going to happen we'll make fun of everybody around him Mm -hmm. but he's going to be our core and so with him as an anchor the film can still have like emotional resonance while still being just ridiculous and and campy and uh yeah, Cold Pursuit is just such a, it's just such a fun, it's not fun, but it is fun yeah. at the same time. And uh, and I really, I really, really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, and I, and I fa- like, I wish it was, I wish it were, I wish it were possible to, like, search reviews online specifically from people who assumed it was going to be a standard Liam Neeson film. And why wouldn't you assume it? Like right. it was certainly it marketed so many that the hallmarks, way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, okay. So what's next for you? Uh,
1: next up for me, so, you yeah, see, I talked about a BP's nominee you talked about an Oscar nominee. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about an independent spirit award nominee okay. for best editing. I don't know why. Sure. Uh, Lynn Shelton's sort of trust. Okay. Um, which I only watched recently partially for, uh, here we're we'll going to do some little, uh, some self promotion here. Partially, For end of the year stuff, but also because I now have like a monthly column at uh, Mm -hmm. filmindependent.com where I uh, write about um, directors who have won the Someone to Watch Award in which I compare the film they won for to their most recent film. So I wrote a a movie about Lynn Shelton who won back in 2008 for My Effortless Brilliance and then uh, has sort of trust uh, this year, sort of about the two movies, um, and made obviously some mention of her... um, big career in between she's definitely yeah. you know some of these someone to watch uh winners like they didn't necessarily fulfill like the promise of that someone sure. to watch lynn shelton clearly was it's a, a a great choice um the only weird thing is the another nominee that year who didn't win is barry jenkins yeah um, so a good year for that that category uh but yeah go, go to film com. check out that uh that um uh that piece about Lynn Shelton. Anyway, sort of trust is uh what I always forget about Lynn Shelton for some reason um because I think she's so tied initially to like the 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 Mumblecore thing, like sure. she's so, you know, she's worked with like the Duplasses on multiple uh, uh occasions and um uh their film like Duplass brothers films have definitely have comedy in them. I like some of them. I like, I I, I like Jeff who lives at home. Uh, I feel like that's like a really underrated, that's a through the cracks movie for the whole decade. Okay. Um, uh, but, uh, the comedy in their movies tends to be more like, um, it stems from the characters within the situation. It's, 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 it's realistic everyday comedy. And I forget how often Lynn Shelton goes for the joke you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's why she's been so great at, at directing episodes of like comedy, like new girl and yeah, like, yeah. like, like comedy stuff because she's very funny and she very much gets the joke. And so, um, sort of trust is, you know, it's this scrappy indie movie, but, uh, it's a comedy first and foremost. It's, uh, it's got a... I, I I don't know if you remember from the movie journal what the premise of sort of trust is yes uh okay, for the listeners I'll, real quick uh Gillian Bell and michaela Watkins play a couple Gillian Bell's grandfather has died and his looming he's left her is this uh um Confederate or I can't remember what if it's Confederate Union but the Civil War era sword that she doesn't want tries to sell to a pawn shop owner played by Mark Marin, who then realizes that among this very specific web of racist conspiracy theorists on the internet this is a very highly sought after item and they all kind of realize like oh we can get tens of thousands of dollars out of these <laughs> these dumb like paranoid rubes or whatever but they have to sort of go into the belly of the beast and so it's about a lot of stuff about the sort of like uh where white nationalism is uh in this country uh today and where progressives are in relation to it it has a lot going on but the thing that i love about uh the it's only 88 minutes long and it never is m- more than a minute or so from a big joke, yeah. you know, I mean, it has, uh, there's Mark Maron's character has a very, um, um, moving sort of monologue. Um, and, and that Lynn Shelton has also, and I wrote about this in the film independent thing, has a history of sort of developing her movies with, uh, with the people who are in them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, there's some things about if you know about Mark Maron's past, where he grew up, and also his past addictions and stuff, you realize yeah. in this monologue, like, oh, this is coming. A lot of this is coming from Mark well, Maron.
0: She's worked and, with Maron quite a bit as well. Like well, she and directed- they're
1: uh, a couple now. Oh, are they? Yeah,
0: good for them. Yeah, those kids. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? You threw me off track. I'm sorry. Uh, so yeah, it has some, some emotional moments and it has some, some weighty stuff, but it's also just really funny. Um, uh, Toby Huss is...
0: Well, that goes without
1: saying. I mean, that, that, yeah, that guy, that's one of those guys, you put him in your movie and you're going to have a good
0: scene, at yeah. least whatever, one good scene. Whatever percentage yeah. he's in yeah. is going to be a good percentage. Uh,
1: yeah, he's he's great. Dan Bacadal shows up at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fantastic. I like him uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's It's a very, very funny... Movie and as a comedy fan, I really appreciate um, a, a, a comedy that that hangs
0: together this well, that is this smart and this funny. Uh, and uh, I was yeah, I was looking at her filmography and just looking at the the amount of TV she's done. And like on one hand, she did an episode of Mad Men, but then she also did several New Girls, Mindy Project, Master of None, Shameless, Marin, The Good Place, Santa Clarita Diet, Casual. Like she's just. Yeah. Fresh off the boat, love and like
1: glow And glow, is, yeah. More, 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 yeah.
0: And it's uh, yeah, she's just uh, much more prolific than I than I thought.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: okay, so next for me is I don't remember if you've seen this or not, but it certainly interested you. Okay. Uh which was Crawl. No, I never got it. Oh my to gosh, it. David. Yeah. It has that's so up my alley. I can't stop thinking about it. It's a movie I'm gonna buy. As oh, stressful as it was to watch, and it was tremendously so. Um, well, that's good. That's what you want.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it's also, it's Alexandra Aja is yeah. the director. And I. Historically. I uh, hated Piranha 3 Double D or whatever they call that stupid thing. I yeah, think.
0: wait, which is the. Because there are two of them. Did he do the. Fir- the were there two? I thought so.
1: He did the one that was in 3D that had like Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell okay, yeah. and Paul Shear, I think, was yes. in it. And there were things that I uh, Richard w- Dreyfus very briefly yes, at the that's beginning.
0: Right. There were things that I liked about it, but I just thought it was just trying too hard. Um, and then he did high tension, I believe, right? Oh. Or I uh, might be I might be getting him mixed up. Because I didn't with like that either. But I don't think th- is that him? I maybe, thought that was someone else. Maybe it's not. It might be another uh, might be somebody else might be it might be a Frenchman but uh, uh no it is him it, it is, he, okay. I mean, he
1: is a Frenchman oh okay um, Alexandre Aja is a French name okay um yeah so I, I guess I I guess I don't like him but maybe I should see crawl. Um, yeah,
0: absolutely you should um, I know you have you seen High Tension no I know I've I I I heard bring up, such terrible things about it
1: uh okay I don't I don't think plot holes are a reason to dislike a movie. Yeah, no, not at all. But I love the Robert Roger Ebert line about high tension. I don't know okay. if I remember this, that, uh, and it only makes sense if you've seen the movie, but he says, not only does high tension have a plot hole big enough to drive a truck through, but a truck is literally driven through, <laughs> plot hole, which makes perfect sense. You see yeah. the movie is a very funny line. Um, but, uh, that's not why I don't like it.
0: Yeah. Crawl. I mean, it's, <sighs> This is something, I, I was talking with a friend of the show, Jason Aiken, about this the other day, because he watched Crawl, and we were just talking about what why we like it so much. And and he summed it up in a way that, that I definitely appreciated, because, because he was quoting me back to me, and he said that one of the reasons that I, there's a sequence in the fifth Mission Impossible uh, that takes place at like an opera, and the sequence, just when you, like you're, you get so used to movies that are complacent or movies that say that's good enough uh, and then you see an action sequence with the directors like no I'm going to ring every ounce of action humor suspense whatever drama whatever it is I'm going to ring every ounce of it out of this sequence that I can and you you watch that opera sequence and it goes on so much longer than you expect and it's because there's always one more thing happening and it feels organic and by the end you're like fuck this is so exciting i love it and that's what crawl is like at every moment like they yes you know what they're doing when they introduce new characters that are trying to help our main characters like okay well we need a body count so that's their that's this character's job uh but within that there are so many just like the house that the characters are stuck in there are so many little Nooks and crannies within the story that uh, that the writers um, and the director are able to like really explore to such to such an extent that like you know there are some movies whether they be horror or action or suspense or whatever it's usually like one of those genres where uh, you come away and you're like I wish I wish they had done this or it's like I feel like this was a wasted opportunity and no point did I feel that way about Crawl like they. Are swinging for the fences, and I think for the most part, they are achieving everything that they possibly can with that premise. Uh, I really, I, I really love it. And as somebody who's afraid of, of, of gators, yeah. uh, I think you would love it too. Yeah, they're scary.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, still the number one best thing about uh, living in California. No gators? No gators. <laughs> they're scared of earthquakes. That must be it. Um yeah, Florida is like California except it's humid and there are gators and there are
0: crocodiles. Yeah. Why would you it's like the it's like the jets and the sharks over there.
1: <laughs> uh all right, so I guess moving on to my number two, huh? Uh yeah. Was that your
0: number two? Well, I mean I'm not I'm not like ranking oh, I, I'm, I'm am just ranking. going in alphabetical order. I am ranking. But one. yes, that I do have only one left.
1: Okay, so on to my number two, which is another love story a very different one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to tell a story that I heard. Uh, I, I think it's true. Uh, when, uh, and also this is another, like I was talking about, Varda, like a big name puts out a movie and it doesn't get, I don't know what, what I expected. Takashi Miike had a movie this year. It's called mm-hmm. First Love. That's my number two. Um, and when he introduced it, and I want to say like Fantasia Fest in Montreal, or maybe it was Fantastic Fest in Austin or something like that, where all the audience knew about it was that he directed it and it was called First Love. He apparently gave a very sincere introduction about, you know, thank you for giving, I know the kind of movies I usually make, thank you for giving a, a chance and giving your time to this, this very sincere movie that I made that doesn't have any decapitations in it. Literally, the first thing that happens in first love is that a decapitated head gets thrown into the street oh. <laughs> um, uh, uh, uh but then it uh then the movie goes on to where we meet um a uh there's an up and coming young boxer who has a a promising career in front of him except he's just learned that he has a terminal brain tumor, so he's walking the streets of Tokyo in despair when he sees a woman screaming and fleeing in terror and a man giving chase <laughs> and so he the boxer just sort of instinctively steps out into the street in front of the guy and decks him knocks him out uh and what this does is it inadvertently foils a plot between uh the the corrupt detective he's just knocked out and a low-level gangster to rip off the yakuza and then inadvertently starts a gang war between the Yakuza and the Chinese mafia and eventually a lot of cops and all our two lovers are just sort of, or our two young people, the the boxer and the young woman are caught in the middle trying to survive and maybe falling in love. Oh, that sounds um, great. It's so great. It's so much fun. It is obviously it's Takashi Miike. It's very violent, but very often very humorously, uh, violent. Um, like the, the young gangster, the, the more his plan gets fucked up. Oh yeah, this is another thing that makes it so funny is everyone in the movie, even the people we like are complete idiots. Everyone in the movie is a moron. And so the young gangster, the more he fucks up, the more- That might frustrate me because as you know, (laughs) I don't like movies about oafs. Um, Yeah, I guess these are, these aren't necessarily oafs because uh, they're more dangerous than that. Okay. Um, so yeah, the young gangster. The more his plan gets fucked up, the more he has to kill other mobsters to sure. try and get away with it. And since so this is part where he's like literally like driving over a guy's head and going like, oh, "What is this six? <laughs> 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 um,
0: that sounds wonderful. Uh,
1: there's so much funny stuff. Uh, but it also, uh, uh, I honestly like this sounds like hyperbole, but the the final. T- shot the final sequence and final shot of first love are among the sweetest things that have happened in any movie in 2019 um it's uh, it's it's an absolute blast if you can handle the yeah decapitations and crushed heads and people getting shotgunned and uh, all the uh, all the stuff like that that happens um then you'll find a really uh, sweet young dumb people falling in love story and that's
0: uh, why first love's my number two all right. So last for me, just because alphabetically it's the latest one uh, or the not latest. I don't know what you'd call most
1: it. Most recent. Most recent. Oh, so you were going chronologically. I no, see.
0: sorry. Did I say chronologically? I meant alphabetically. Um, oh, okay. No. Uh, and in fact, the more I think of it, and I, maybe this is worth noting that like, I think most of these were like in my top five or top 10 around the same time and then we moved into oscar season and you start seeing movies that and i I, you know i feel bad when like when studios are ultimately saying like no these are the movies that are good and then sure enough they wind up being in my top 10 i feel like i'm just i'm just just walking into their trap or whatever but uh but yeah so this is a film uh, by a director who is hit and miss with me, often at the same time, uh, and that's Alex Gibney. And the film is The Inventor, um, oh, which wow. uh, I believe he made, I think it was in, I think it played at Sundance last year yeah. under, I think it was called Bad Blood. Um, oh, that's right. It did have a different, yeah. And uh, and I've, so I saw the the documentary. I saw the
1: other Alex Gibney movie this year, right. Citizen K.
0: Yes, which I, which, you I heard good things about and... Yeah, and you, it's not, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's... Alex Kimmy's movie is never going to be great. He's a genre into, <laughs> unto himself. Um, you uh, know what to expect. Uh, and so... But that's the other thing, is I do think he has a good instinct for what is a story worth telling. Um, and since seeing The Inventor, I listened to the audiobook of uh, Bad Blood. I listened to the podcast devoted to it. And... I myself made a documentary, you may have heard of it, it's called Real Redemption, The Rise mm-hmm. of Christian Cinema, mm-hmm. available in February. Um, and that actually gave me, even though it's, you know, my my stuff is all clips, you know, and this is a combination of archival and, uh, and interviews, uh, doing what I did gave me a deeper appreciation for somebody who is willing to and Alex Gibney never goes quite as deep as he could, but just from a stylistic standpoint, like if one of his interview subjects is referencing something, like a pivotal moment in the company or whatever it is, clearly Alex Gibney's like, if there's footage of this, we need to get it. Like, however we have to do it. Like, the idea is like, well, we're not just gonna let this person say that. And it's not necessarily about, for verification purposes, it's also for like, the The viewer needs to see this, like we are making visual films I, I i I usually like the way his films are cut together and the way they look. I think they're usually shot pretty well, uh, even if it's just a talking head. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think what what has stayed with me. Uh, So the, so his, like, he's very thorough in like making sure he gets like all the, all the clips that he needs and to somebody who put together something completely from clips. And I like, I wrote the, like, I wrote my uh, narration and then as I started and then I recorded it and then as I started editing, I'm like, fuck, why did I write this? Like now I have to find, now I have to like track this, track down this damn clip, uh, uh, from, (laughs) you know, the freaking. uh, arm McCarthy uh hearings or whatever uh and so uh, so you just have to find that stuff and he does and so i appreciate that aspect uh of the film but also from a from a thematic standpoint it really it is a film and a and a larger story very much of its time this this young woman uh has is is she's charismatic. She has an idea that people really like Mm -hmm. and she, and she plays up concepts that are, if you'll pardon me, I'm going to use, I'm going to use both the way that like Obama said, like hope and change the way Trump says, great. Like Uh we're going to make it great. Like very big, broad concepts, you know, and who doesn't want to be on board with greatness or hope? Yeah. You know, those are things that by and large, Sarah Palin, well, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in in the in the larger sense, not in uh, personal uh, achievement. Um, but the and so she uh, Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Holmes Diane Holmes. Um, that's a reference to a stupid thing I said earlier. Anyway, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Lorraine Holmes. Pardon me. Yeah, um, she uh, she seems to understand the need right now for people to believe in something and the tendency we have to just kind of accept that tech can take care of anything. And she just, yeah. she sees those two things, puts them together, recognizes that she herself has a story that is going to inspire people who doesn't want to be on board. Given the, the conversation the last few years and admittedly, this was a while ago, but like who doesn't want to be part of it of like a, uh, like a young woman doing well in tech, here we go. Like, I want to be a part of this, you know? So there's also a narrative going on that had, that is, I, I'd say cultural. I mean, it's political as well, but there's a cultural narrative there that people want to be on board with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like she's able to exploit all of these assumptions and all of these desires that people have to such an extent that people wind up defending her long, uh, you know, Way longer than they probably would have if any one of these things was missing um, and so it it really is a like again i i i think Alex Gibney tops out at a b plus uh at any given point in his career. He's never he never quite flips all the way over to an A uh, in his filmmaking. What but I said he, about he has him, good instincts, I think.
1: When I was talking about Citizen K on the I Fest wrap up episode, what I said about him is unlike a lot of other docu- like documentarians who are working today who make these sort of like profiles or like mm-hmm. these 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 uh, hot button like issue sure. type movies, Alex Gibney is never disingenuous. Or at no. least tries not to be. Yeah. Like that's part of my problem with Citizen not problem. Part of what's interesting about Citizen K is that he's cl- clearly conflicted about the person that he's profiling yeah. because it, this guy's been so cooperative with him and like they've become friends, but
0: also is potentially a piece of shit. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, he's not, he's not lying to you. Uh, right. And, me. and some, and sometimes he's not lying to you about his own disdain for the subject, you know, cause I oh, yeah, saw, certainly. I saw going clear. And in this, like often also, with musical um, choices, like,
1: What's a, um, uh, well, I can't remember what the name of the WikiLeaks one was. Oh, uh, I saw that. Was it, we sell is secrets. We steal secrets. We steal secrets. is what it yeah. is. That one. There's also the Lance Armstrong one. Like he has this tendency to be like, I'm going to make a documentary about this person. Oh, it turns out they're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And
0: then, and, or, but, and I hope that's what it is. As opposed to, that's what it feels uh, like. It's like, I'm going to make this movie about a piece of shit. And now I'm going to be in on telling them they're a piece of shit, right. um, even though the audience already knows. Uh, but that's the thing is, I do think that he has an instinct for what stories to tell and understanding the, the way to tell them that links them into something larger than the specific story he's telling. Like like I said, when I think of the inventor and in the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, um, I think of like yeah i don't think this could have happened this way at any other time and i do think that like gibney in every possible way good and bad is a documentary of this time Mm. and uh and the inventor is a it's a very compelling film as his movies often are uh imperfect but compelling
1: all right um
0: moving on to
1: um uh, wait, is, is Josh Brolin better as Theranos in this movie or in the Avengers movie? Um, moving on to my number one through the
0: cracks movie. Of the year, you know what, is, that deserved more. I should have laughed. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> which is uh, yet another movie that was at last year's Sundance Film Festival. Like, apparently it was a good year yeah. uh, at Sundance.
0: Um, was this year better? I know though, I don't want to spoil. Yeah, no, we'll get to it in a couple okay. weeks. This year was really good. Okay.
1: Um uh, yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on. My number one, talked about it uh, at um, uh, over the last year's Sundance. And then we talked about it again in our fall, fall movie preview. It kind of snuck out a little bit in October, I think. Um, Daniel Scheinert's The Death of Dick Long. Oh, okay.
0: Uh, which I know I, you I was, still haven't I, seen. It's, no, but I was looking at your review. Uh, recently? The the uh, oh sorry I was thinking of a different thing I have read that review and I've read other reviews of yeah. it and uh, I've heard great things it, yeah
1: it's it's uh, on the one hand it's a very sort of uh, its premise is what it is it's a it's a raunchy sort of bro comedy about dumb bros again like first love it's movies about yeah. idiots I like them um, it's about dumb bros but it's also a really sad movie about I think a type of not necessarily toxic masculinity. It doesn't go that far, but a type of masculinity that in a changing in a world that's changing, I think for the positive in terms of what we expect of, the, of genders there's a type of max, masculinity that is no longer of any use. And so you've got these like kind of, if it ever was, yeah, if it ever was, but now it also no longer has any currency, I think, or increasingly sure. doesn't have any currency sure. anymore. So it's kind of like a, it's a sad movie about
0: like, uh, a bygone stupid era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: essentially. I mean, because yeah, the, the, it's about there's three guys. One of them is named Dick Long. They're in a band, quote unquote. but mostly that just means they go over. They go over to one, one of the guys houses, play covers of Stained and Nickelback and Creed songs and get drunk and high together. And then one night they decide to get especially high. Uh, Andre Highland's character says, y'all want to get weird? Um, and we don't then we don't there's sort of a fun montage and they getting high and then it cuts to the main guy whose name i forget um uh michael abba jr and andre highland dick long played by director daniel Hyland, is bleeding in the backseat they're dropping him off at the emergency room and driving away we don't know what happened yeah dick dies at the hospital and so it's uh zeke and Earl that's Michael Abbott jr. And, uh, what other other names (laughs) could they have? (laughs) Yeah. So Zeke and Earl then have to spend, or or the rest of the movie, they spend the rest of the movie trying not to get caught for whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, trying not to, not, not to let on that. They were involved in Dick's death, whatever it was. Um, and the only reason they last as long as they do without getting caught is that the cops aren't any smarter than they are. Um, I, it's, uh, uh, in my review, I wrote that it's, it's, a, a movie about cops and criminals, uh, where the, the, the dramatic question is who will, who will out whom? Okay. Um, uh, so it's full of, uh, it's full of jokes. It has, we talked, we, uh, we mentioned briefly, uh, uh, glow and, um, I'm forgetting the actress who plays Arthy on glow. Mm. Uh, but you know, who I'm talking, yeah, about. Yeah. uh, um, she's in it as, uh, Andre Helen's, uh, friend, um, so it's very funny, but it's also very, very sad. Um, it's Daniel Shannon is one of the two directors, the two, one of the two Daniels who directed Swiss army man, right? Which is also a very like outrageously funny, but, uh, uh, poignant, yeah. uh, movie. And, and that's what Dick Long is, um, uh, as well. Uh, and it's a, a movie that has stuck with me that, um, I think it's, uh, it's ugly. It, it's the depths to which it goes, Uh, and the ugliness of the characters at times and um i almost yeah i i i I almost feel bad it's not a twist it's we've talked about the difference between a twist and a reveal Mm -hmm. the moment when we find out how dick died um i think is even in the at the screening at sundance was a hugely divisive moment oh you had I think half the audience bursting into laughter and half the audience groaning mm. when you find out how Dick dies. Um, now I got to uh, see it. You really do have to see it. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to, how to wrap it up. I already said everything I need to say about the the movie, but uh, it's uh real funny, real sad and real current.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's it. That's uh, it? Listeners, of course, uh, in the comments, if you saw a movie that you feel like didn't get talked about enough or didn't get seen enough or uh, maybe was dismissed uh, wrongfully, uh, then you can leave that in the comments. Uh, you know, the, one of the good things about any year end stuff is that it allows people to recommend the stuff that that really resonated with them and so that's that's what this can be uh for you as well so uh please feel free to do that uh all right uh you
1: can find us at battleship pretension.com you can email us at david at battleship pretension.com or tyler at battleship pretension.com i'm on twitter at davy pretension um and uh if you log on to the <coughs> website uh, these days, uh, you'll find a lot of Sundance coverage. But yeah. also recently, uh, on I Do Movies Badly, Jim uh, talked about Reed Morano. Reed Morano's directorial debut, Meadowland. Uh, the movie Meltdown. Guys talked about the Oscar nominees. Um, other stuff like that is all at Sundance, all at at battleshipretention.com. Tyler, you're on Twitter at Tyler I am.
0: Do you have anything else to plug? Uh, Over morethanonelesson.com, I did do an episode about Todd Phillips' Joker. Um, As I thought might happen, uh, there are people that disagree with me. Huh. Um, The companion film is... uh, Joel Schumacher's falling down. Like a lot of people have been talking about taxi driver and King of comedy, which is understandable, but you know, invariably like I loved falling down in high school and then I kind of moved beyond it. And then I kind of circled back around because what happened was in high school, you look at Michael Douglas's character and you're like, yeah, then you grow out of that. You know, I'm an adult. Yeah. Uh, Then you circle back around and you see Duvall and you realize like, ah, Okay here we go. We have two leads and he's the other one. Yeah. And, and it's the inclusion of that character or a character that's like that, that I think Joker really could have used and historically could have had, you could have had a young Jim, uh, Jim Gordon in there very easily. And when you think, and when you think of like the killing joke, Mm -hmm. like you, there's always been this weird parallel. Yes. Joker is like the antithesis of Batman, but he's also, he tends to zero in on Gordon a lot as like, the paragon of sanity. And it's like, I'm going to, sw- I'm going to screw this guy up. And given the nature of, of Todd Phillips Joker, it's like they could have done that. Mm-hmm. And I think had a much more focused message. But anyway, I'm, I, so if you liked what I said just then, imagine it for an hour <laughs> and then uh, that's what you'll get at more than one com.
1: Uh, speak- I was thinking of falling down recently because, as you'll remember from the last remember member, as you'll remember from the last movie journal I recently saw for the first time, 1983's uh, Valley Girl, directed by Martha Coolidge, right. in which the lead character's is like uh, super crunchy granola, understanding ex hippie dad is played by Frederick Forrest, whom no. I will all, I will always <laughs> think of first and foremost as the neo-nazi from falling down even though i later went and i like, loved like one from the heart yeah i've seen him in a bunch of uh, like uh i think i uh, think of
0: him as chef first from, from apocalypse, apocalypse now. now
1: yeah i, I definitely saw fall- falling down before i saw apocalypse now yeah um
0: that's yeah me too
1: and so i will always think of him going like think about think it, about it. <laughs> uh, so it's weird to see him playing this super like nice understanding hippie yeah. dad in valley girl anyway uh that's it for this week. Uh, thank you for listening.
0: We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.